Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode five of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. I'm with my good friend, Kevin Miller, and we are excited about episode five. Kevin, are you excited about episode five? Man, I'm always excited to talk Red River football, man. It gets no better. It gets no better. We're having a blast doing this. Um, quickly, I want to give a shout out to the University of Texas golf team. It pains me to congratulate you on a national championship. Were you aware of this? Are you a golf fan? You know, I am a golf fan, but I don't watch a lot of college golf. You know, I watch some PGA Tour stuff, the Masters, some of the the majors, but um, don't watch too much college uh, golf. You know, I really didn't pay much attention to it. You know, I know your son played college golf, Jeffrey. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually caught the end of it, then playing against Arizona State. So, yeah, uh, a couple, couple jokes. I've played that golf course. Okay. It's a, it's a great track. I love it. Um, Oklahoma was the team to beat. So that was a little frustrating. Um, I think our, we had two main guys, Goderup and McAllister. Uh, Goderup was a transfer from Rutgers. He transferred in just to play uh, for a national championship. And he had every opportunity to. Uh, He had a chance at winning the individual one. And I think that's kind of what messed him up going into the team a bit is he missed a short putt on 17 in the individual play and then a short putt on 18 to get into the playoff. And I think it affected him in the first round. He got routed seven and five. Um, I know you can't put your best player on the bench, but you almost wonder what was going through Ryan Hibble's head uh, as he uh, thought about that. But for you guys, the winners, um, Parker Cootie, Pearson Cootie, these guys are, uh, and Cole Hammer, these guys are were celebrated golfers when they showed up at Texas. In some ways, it's surprising you only won one national championship with those three. Uh, do you know what is famous about the last name Cootie? No, why don't you tell me, other than, the you know, having cooties as a kid in elementary school. That's correct. And you know they Fair. heard that. Uh, their grandfather won a green jacket. Oh, wow. Didn't yes. know that. Yeah. They're, yeah, Charles Cootie was a – and it was kind of weird. He kind of came out of nowhere when he won it. I want to say he won it like in 71 or 72. Uh, but he kind of came out of nowhere. But, yeah, he won a, a green jacket. So that's legit. Clearly got the golfing jeans. Yeah, some good bloodlines there for sure. Um, Cole Hammer was the other uh, anchor leg. Uh, he is another athlete in the long line of Texas athletes that just have stupid names that I can't stand. <laughs> uh, Who else is in this list? Cole Hammer is on the same list as Romance Taylor. R- Romance. Royal Ivy. Yes. Um, there was another guy that came to mind. I just... It's like it's like y'all have names. Oh, I'll tell you one. Cat Osterman. The reason that's so frustrating to me, Cat Osterman, who's a softball player, in case you're wondering, Texas fan, your own your own player. Oh, um, we know who she is. 
the the basketball coach at William Howard Taft High School, the only one they had for like 25 years was uh, Osterman. That was his last name. I can't even think of his first name right now. Okay. Um, Pat Osterman, maybe? And I was always wondering if they were related to Cat. They're not related. Um, She was also my eighth grade history teacher. His wife was, and she was awesome. But he cut me as a junior. And so... Oh, okay. So there's some personal beef. There's some triggers. Yeah, there's some triggers to uh, every time I hear Osterman. Everything makes sense now. Um, But all that to be said, congratulations, Texas Golf National Championships. Anytime you win a natty in any sport, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they actually won a few this year. Um, track and field and rowing. So it's it's well just need that other sport to step up, you know. Uh if I'm sure everybody that's listening to episode five has listened to our softball preview, but we're playing each other tonight in the first game of the World College World Series, women's college world series. And so both schools have a chance at another national title. I think our chance is better than yours, but yeah, it's gonna definitely. be exciting. It's going to be fun, no matter what happens. And so it's awesome. Um, in addition to giving a shout-out to the national championship golf team at the University of Texas, I want to give a shout-out to Brown O'Haver. Kevin works for Brown O'Haver. I work for Brown O'Haver. We are a public insurance-adjusting firm. If you are out there and you've had a loss to your home or business, you can hire your own adjuster. We adjust the claim for you to make sure you get paid more money in a shorter amount of time. Um, Kevin, you've worked for us now for five and a half years? Almost five years. Almost five uh-huh. years. Four, yeah. four and a half years. Yes, sir. Kevin, do we help people make more money? All the time. All the time. You it's heard it right there. Time. Kevin Miller says we make more money. Give us a call. 405-735-5510. Check us out on Facebook. Brown O'Hara Adjusters for the Insurer. Kevin, it's episode five. Um, in the last two episodes, we've discussed our greatest games, our personal favorite games. Yes. We, um, we're down to two. In a way, we've done it in chronological order. But do you think that even having done it in chronological order, the two games we're going to discuss tonight are the greatest games in our rivalry's history? You know, I think so. There's always going to be people who, you know, maybe were involved in some of those other games who think that one's better for personal reasons. But, I mean, though these two games we're about to discuss, I mean, they're just classic games, high anxiety. So we're going to discuss 2018 and 2021. Um, is there re- before we kind of get going? Is there recency bias? A little are, bit. Are, I mean, are we prisoners of the moment? You know, yes and no. I mean, those are fresher in our memories. But for me, I, you know, nothing tops the feeling of the 08 game. You know, even though these games might have been better overall, but the feeling of that one will always kind of be tops. So no, I don't think we're getting caught up in the moment. These are, these okay. are great games. These are exciting games. Well, let's jump into 2018. This is your game. This is one of your games. Give us some background. Tell us the story. Okay. What's going well, on here? I mean, Texas is 4-1. and one, Excuse me, 4-2, and two, I believe, going into the game. I think you no, were 4-1. No, four no, 4-1. One. Four one. They had four lost one. that first game to Maryland. They got us again, second year in a row. 
lost it, to them up in D.C. at a – Not a good Maryland field. team. Not a good no, Maryland team. No, not at all. So, you start off with a loss, then won the next four, setting this game up. And we were both ranked for the first time. Yeah, I think Texas was ranked 19. Yep. And I think you guys were ranked seventh. Is that right? We were five. We were a five and zero, seventh, seventh ranked, yeah. five and zero. Loaded team, loaded team. So going into the game, you just never know. You know, at, at that point, the last three or four games had all been close. So you're expecting a fight. You know, OU was clearly the better team on paper going into it, but you know, we thought we had a chance going in. Thought we um, had a chance couple of observations before we start talking about the game. Uh, when I watched the replay back, this was a Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft game. Yeah. Are they the best coverage in college football? I, I think so. You know, I'm always looking, if it's Fox, it's got to be Gus. And Joel. Listen, some people don't like Gus, and I think that's insane. Yeah. You can't I, be a fan and not like Gus, right? I mean, a passionate fan. This guy I goes love nuts. Him. I love Gus Johnson. Yeah. And Joel, Joel Klein on the commentary. I mean, who's better than him? And maybe it's because we're not in the SEC yet, and he defends non-SEC teams that endears us to Joel Klatt. But I just think he gives a more balanced approach to the game. Yeah, he does a really good job. Um, Herb Street, I like Herb Street. I, I, don't, I don't hate on Herb Street as much as a lot of Sooner fans and, and other – just college football fans. But I, I think there's an element of kind of wearing on us a little bit with the Herb Street and the, you know. It's been a long Klatt. time. He's been doing it for a while. I, and I think Joel Klatt is just, um, he's a breath of fresh air, but nothing beats a Gus Johnson call. Yeah. And he was at the top of his game in 2018. Yeah, he really brought it that day. Okay. Give me some of your players. Okay, well, I mean, Sam Ellinger, best game of his career at Texas. Um, you know, the story with him goes deep. Kid from Austin, both parents went to Texas. So, you know, kind of dream of being the Texas quarterback. Got his feet wet in 2017. Played pretty well in the loss. So was motivated to try to get a win. And he brought it. I mean, it was, again, the best performance of his career. Um, you also had little Jordan Humphrey. Can I add him to the list of names that are stupid at the University of Texas? Hey, bring it, man, but you won't forget him, though. No, you won't forget little Jordan. And him and Colin Johnson, That's that was a legit receiver receiving core. Yeah, I mean, 6'5 for uh, Humphrey and 6'6 for Colin Johnson. I mean, and who, who's massive third receiver? Who's your uh, third receiver? Evan name. Oh. Yeah, loaded. Uh, but did now where's Jordan at in the league? Where's little Jordan? Did he, uh, the Saints. Is he getting to play quite a bit? Yeah, he is. He is. I think he's kind of, you know, he was on the practice squad for us, but he's played in several games over the last couple of seasons. Um, but Colin Johnson was a grown man in this game. He was great. I really both of them were. No, they really were. And Duvernay gave you kind of that sense of, um, what he's going to do yes. you know, over the next couple yeah, of years. The next season where he really stepped up. And let me give you the, let me give you the list of Oklahoma players. Okay. You had Kyler Murray. 
You had C.D. Lamb. You had Hollywood Brown. Trey Sermon. Other offensive players. But on the defensive side, you had Neville Gallimore. Uh, Kenneth Murray. The talent was pretty good. Yeah. And this comes off of the heels. I don't know. Did you hear the Lincoln Riley interview that, that, that popped up today? You know, I've heard about it, but I haven't watched it yet. He claims that when they made the playoffs, that his teams were the least talented of any team ever in the playoffs. Ever or just those well, particular well, in each year. They had the worst talent in each year that they were that, that Oklahoma was in the playoff under Lincoln Riley. Do you think he's wrong? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I think he's making a case that he somehow did amazing with less than talent, which I don't think is true. Okay. Number two, I don't think he's taking responsibility for the fact that he recruited these players. Because even before he was the head coach, he was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. You think he's making, maybe taking a shot at some of the defensive recruiting that happened before he became the head coach? Maybe, but we had some dudes on the defense. I, yeah. I, I, I still contend that it was, a, it was a matter of not coaching and not developing. Yeah. I mean, Neville, Neville Gallimore is playing for the Cowboys. Kenneth Murray was a first-round draft pick. Yeah. I yeah. mean. Studs. Both and, those, and those guys were in key positions on your defense in this game. Yeah, right up the middle. Yeah. Um, this was also the game where, according to rumors – that players and Mike Stoops nearly came to blows at halftime. Heard about that. Was it, um, who was a linebacker? They said kind of walked out of the locker room. Was it Bolton? Yeah, Curtis Bolton. No, was that that his first name? Yeah, Curtis Bolton. I think it was Curtis Bolton. I think he'd had enough. Uh, Mike was going to be, Mike ended up being fired that Monday, maybe Sunday. Yeah. but yes, there's there's very strong rumors, and I think probably true based on the performance of our defense, that the defense was about to mutiny at halftime of this game. Yeah, which is interesting. They did play better, but you know the score at halftime wasn't just the end of the world. You know, Oklahoma was in the no, game. No, it was a close game. Y'all pulled away in the third quarter. Yeah, we thought it was over. <laughs> you know. Um. The jump pass sticks out to me. Yeah. I mean, first off, you know, you get the ball first, goes down, scores a touchdown, uh, Kyler to uh, Hollywood Brown, puts the Sooners up 7-0. But, yeah, I thought Texas' response was great. Come right down the field, get into the red zone, and then, like you said, the little trick play, uh, little Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat takes the snap and kind of rolls right like he's about to run in, stops, and, it was a Tim Tebow-like jump pass to Colin Johnson to tie the game up. It was game on at that moment. It was pretty exciting. But, I mean, at halftime, it was 24-17. But I think that – I think Oklahoma kind of knew that there was still really no reason they should be down to Texas. I mean, I know that sounds arrogant. I, that's not the way I'm trying to say it. I think in this case, Texas was a pretty good team. We read a lot of that talent. Yeah, but I still think there was a lot of frustration on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but Kyler didn't play a perfect game in that first half. 
He didn't, you know, and, and that's the thing about that Cotton Bowl we talked about before. You know, it, it's hard to play a perfect game, especially at quarterback. We've seen the best quarterbacks that both universities have had turn the ball over, make bad decisions, fumble the ball. You know, and, and Kyler had the interception to Brandon Jones, I think, on the second possession. But that being said, I thought the OU defense did a pretty good job in holding Texas to a field goal after that interception just to keep it at 10-7. What the Oklahoma defense did not do a good job of all day was stopping Sam Ellinger and the quarterback run to the right. Have you ever seen a phenomenon where a football team consistently exploits another good football team with the most basic of plays over and over and over again? You know, I don't know what Herman and, and Tim Beck saw on film. But there was something there that they saw, and they knew they could just do this. And they, like you said, and there was no adjustment. They just did it. I think he scored four touchdowns rushing, and they were all on that same play. And the key third down pickup in the fourth quarter, yeah, uh, uh, with a minute twenty left. In addition to just a number of them throughout the game, I guess I just don't understand what you talk about. What y'all saw on film? How did we not see it on film? Like, how did we not see maybe we load up on the left side of our defense, the right side of the offense, and say, if we're, if he's going to run, let's make him run a different direction. Well, you know, here's the thing. I don't remember Texas running that play before that game. Okay, but but, but it wasn't some amazingly designed no. play, right? I mean, no. it was quarterback run right. Was, yeah. I don't even think it was like a, a counter or anything. No, it was quarterback that. power. That's it. And so that's what is so frustrating. Like even today, I was in the stands and just saying to myself, uh, it's going to Ellinger on the right side. Yeah. And he's picking up five, six yards. He's scoring a touchdown. He's picking up a first down. It's And so uh, it, it reminded me in a lot of ways of like Baylor 2014, um, which was an also another meltdown game for Oklahoma's defense when I think it's Bryce Petty at the time, just continued to throw it to a wide open, just quick snap, throw it to the left, seven yard pickup all the way down the field. Yeah. No adjustment ever made. Yeah. And it's like Mike Stoops is incapable of making adjustments, almost like it's a pride thing. Almost like it's like, we are so disciplined and we know what we're doing and we believe in what we're doing that we're not going to change even in the face of overwhelming evidence that Sam Ellinger is killing us by running to the right side of his offensive line yeah I mean and clearly Lincoln Riley thought the same thing because that was the last game we coached as a OU defensive coordinator you know I, I think he was just fed up at that point well his uh, yeah okay Y'all get up, y'all are up at one point in the fourth quarter around the 8.45 minute mark, 45-24. Yes. That's a three-score game. Um, I was there. I had great seats for this game. I was 50-yard line, and y'all were insane. And I knew that if if we didn't figure something out, if we didn't get a score on the next possession that we were about to empty out. 
it was it was feeling like it was headed towards it. It was it was oh it was right on the edge. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not one that leaves games early. I wouldn't have left early, but uh, it was close, and uh, the frustration level was high. Um, but Kyler hits Lee Morris with a 19 yard pass, makes it 45 31. It energized the crowd a little bit. Nothing crazy, but it energized the crowd a little bit. But then, with five minutes left, Kyler Murray makes that run. What was Texas fan thinking? When that run occurred down the sideline, were you watching on TV or were you there? I wasn't there. I was watching on TV. It was you actually heard Gus at, Johnson call this play. I mean, it was, I did. Yeah, I was at my um, my brother in law's place. So um, me and my wife, um, Casey and I weren't even married yet, but and then her um, her brother and uh, his wife. And man, it was a quarterback counter. And once he hit the edge, I mean, it's like he was shot out of a cannon. I mean. It's really one of the best plays, really, in the history of the of the rivalry. A total agreement. And I'm very concerned at this point because look, I watched Kyler play high school football in Texas. You know, he won three straight titles, so he's do, a legend there. Do you believe he's the best college or the best high school football player in the state of Texas ever? Some yes. people make that argument. Yes, I, it, it's it's so hard because you know it's hard to mix eras. In, in football because of the t- t- kind of systems that they run now. But, I mean, three straight state titles at quarterback. In a, in a, in a big class, too. It wasn't like a small yeah, class. It was big boy a. football. Yeah, 6A. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a legend. And so to see him make that play, it was like he just turned into Superman. It was unbelievable. And trust me, all Texas fans were very concerned because you look at the clock, there's still, what, Five minutes left in the game. Uh, that score was with uh, five minutes and 11 seconds. And the Texas defense is gassed at this point. Oklahoma holds you again. We get the ball back. And then Trey Sermon takes over. Yeah. And, again, we've talked a little about, about Trey Sermon on this podcast, but it is incredibly frustrating that he ever got away from Oklahoma. I thought he was so talented. Such a good running back. He was a uh, I mean, physical guy with great balance. Oh, and he he really put us on their back in that in that in that subsequent drive. Scores the touchdown, but he was a beast on the entire drive. He was. I mean, they just kept going to him. They were running the you ball, know, and we tied the game up with two minutes and thirty eight seconds. Kevin, it is the loudest I'd ever heard. Both sides of the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. It was deafening because we were going insane. But to credit your fans, y'all were trying everything to get to keep your team in the game. Y'all, like y'all were, you were nervous and and all of that. And I think you thought maybe we were going to lose it. You were even going to lose it. But y'all were going insane. It was, it was the best environment for both teams I'd ever felt. You know, and it really showed on the broadcast. I know there's nothing like being in the Cotton Bowl, but it, it did show on the broadcast that both fan bases were were bringing it. But, yeah, when, when Sermon tied the game, my only thoughts were whatever we do, we just cannot give Kyler the ball back. Right. Because if they get the ball back, we are going to lose. There was no question, no doubt in my mind. So Sam Ellinger proceeds to milk the clock 
pick up first down after first down, a lot of with the quarterback run to the right. Um, and then I think Gus Johnson makes one of the best calls in the history of the rivalry. Yeah. I mean, Dicker, the kicker, are you kidding me? True yeah. freshman? That's, uh, a, that's a big kick for that kid to make, too. That was not an easy – that was not a chip shot. 40 yards. Yeah. He should make it. He makes it most times he kicks it. Yeah. But, and, but in that, I mean, he's kicking towards the OU fans, too. He's kicking towards the OU fans. The place was deafening. I mean – I'm pretty sure the cameras were shaking. Fox's cameras were shaking. What's that? I'm pretty sure the Fox, their cameras were shaking. Oh, I, I have no doubt. And, and like I said, Gus Johnson on that call, Dicker the kicker, to, to, for him to live in Red River, Red River immortality, I think was the line. I yeah. just, I, uh, I hate Texas, and I, yet I love that call. I mean, yeah, just, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we beat you in the rematch that year. At the Big 12 Championship. Another great game. Another great game. Um, another great game. And another – I didn't go to it, but from what I hear, tremendous atmosphere. I heard the same thing from people that I know from both sides that were there. I mean, they said it was just as good. It was just as loud as a cotton bowl. It wasn't as split, but, you know, I didn't have the split down the 50-yard line. But it was great, Yeah. Um, Kyler played a heck of a game, especially in the second half of that game to get the, uh, in the, in the championship game to get that win. But, oh, um, he was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's just one of the best quarterback performances that I've seen. And Texas did a really good job of not letting him get loose, but he was so patient in the pocket and made some incredible throws against good coverage too. It wasn't, no, he really did. It was just dimes here, 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 here. It cemented the highest form. I mean, and he deserved it because of that. Uh, yeah, you, you know, Tua, Tua gets hurt in the game later that afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but they were losing. And if they would have if they would have lost, he would have lost the Heisman either way. He was either going to lose the Heisman because he got hurt or lose the Heisman because he uh, because they lost the game. But, oh, uh, yeah, 2018, man, that's an all-timer for me. And, and, and to be on the losing end sucked. But, man, what a hell of a game. So, who do you think was the MVP of that game at the Cotton Bowl? Sam Ellinger. I agree. Yeah, again, I thought that was the best performance of his career. Um, I think he had, what, four two touchdown passes, four uh, rushing touchdowns, no turnovers. So, yeah, he, oh. he, was, he was special that game. And Herman – you know what? And Herman gets a lot of credit for that win. I mean, I – I harangued Tom Herman when we talked to Texas coaches, but um, sometimes it's really hard to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to go, I'm just going to keep running the ball up the right side because surely they're going to stop it. At but some he, point, right? But he stuck to it. And um, yeah, he, that was a good, oh, it was just a heck of a college football game. That's why you watch college footballs for those, those games on both sides. Yeah, and Herman's teams, you know, for everything you can say about him, with most of it being true, you know, his teams were physically tough. You know, they were – they battled. They didn't get pushed around like you've seen some some of Max teams do against the Sooners. You know, they, they you know, brought it from a physical standpoint. 
And what's interesting is we were getting to a point in Oklahoma where this was one of the last of the tough teams. Like we had started, we were starting to get soft. So that's an interesting observation. Um, but man, he just made dumb decisions. But anyway, we don't need to beat Tom Herman's dead horse to death again. Yeah. So I'm, ready to move. I'm ready to move on. Can I go with my favorite game of the entire Red River rivalry series? Real quick, yeah. yeah I just want one more question for that game. What was the best okay. play of the game? Best play? Best play of the game. Oh, it's Kyler Murray right down the sideline. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's really any question. Uh, Texas had some good plays. I, I thought Texas's best play actually was um, they had a third and – it was third and 21, and they hit little Jordan Humphrey on a short wide receiver screen, and he gets, I think, 19, 20 yards. That was probably the most exciting play of the game, and everything else was just kind of chipping away at the at the OU defense that day. Um, No, Kyler's run is iconic. It's yeah. it's one of those plays you'll see. Um, it came in a loss. I You know, I, I remember, too, the post game where Kyler cried. Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, Texas fans called him Kryler after that. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but he had not lost a game as a starting quarterback in, like, three and a half years. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think he, he knew. He, he didn't know how to deal with loss. Yeah. Undefeated, what, three straight seasons? I don't think they lost a game when he as a starter at Allen High School. So, anyway, um, 2021. 2021. Let's talk about Are you ready for 2021? No, but let's do it, you know. Um, there was so much drama on the Oklahoma team going into that game. This was an undefeated Oklahoma team playing a two-loss Texas team. Were y'all two-loss or one loss? One, one loss. The loss of Arkansas. They got beat down by Arkansas week two. Okay, so it's a one-loss team. Okay. And yet... Our undefeated, it was it was just we we're ranked number six and we were doing it with smoke and mirrors. We're in the middle of a quarterback controversy. Um, we were Oklahoma fan was convinced that we were going to win a national championship in 2021. Look, I think the last two years have all been building up to this season, 2021. This is a year it's going to happen. And coming into the Texas game, we were playing like absolute dog poop. Despite five wins. We went to a one. We were we, we had a one, a one score win against Tulane, who I think ended up like with two wins on the whole season. And that was so interesting, too. I mean, because remember, Tulane, the game was supposed to be at Tulane. Get switched to Norman, and he, despite all that, Tulane still had a chance to to win the game. Late was well, we were up three scores. We're yeah. up three scores. Uh, we we play a 16-13 game against West Virginia. West Virginia, I mean, at home, sixteen yeah. points. A vaunted offense led by Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler, sixteen points. Um. A really good game against Nebraska, but Nebraska was still not very good. Yeah, they were better. They were competitive. They were tough, and yada. They yada, came yada. to play, yeah, but but come on, right? I mean, a one-score game at home against, and again, offensively, everybody talks. Oh, our defense. No, no, offensively in the first five games, it was a 
it was a joke. And so you had in that same West Virginia game, I think, is when the student section started cheering, we want Caleb. Yes. What did you think of that? I thought that that's what you get when you play football in Oklahoma. Okay. Perform or be ready to be dealt with that kind of stuff. Okay. Like if you want the benefit of playing Oklahoma football as the starting quarterback, the um, the chance of being drafted in the first round, which over the last 20 years is incredibly high. If you want the chance at, at this was the first year of making NIL money, if you want to get two cars given to you by a dealership, if you want to be the face of NIL for the country at this at this juncture in the season, yeah, and you want to score 16 points against West Virginia, like it sucks. I wish we weren't in a world where that was going to happen, but at this point, you got to perform. I, 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 I don't know. And so, anyway, that gets us to the game, and y'all go up. 21 to 3? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 21 uh, 21 7. Actually, it was 28 7. You score on your first play of the game. Yeah, I mean, the true freshman, Xavier Worthy. I mean, this kid. Wow. I mean, you you were there, right? I mean, one. On that first play, he, he catches a swing pass and he comes running straight at me. And there was no, I mean, Sooners were all over the ground. That guy was so fast. And we get down 28-7, Kevin. And with everything that had led up to the year, or had led up to that game throughout the year, I thought it was over. You know, I didn't – I was excited about the start. And you can ask my wife, Casey, this. At no point did I think it was over, just because we've seen this before from both sides. We've seen both – Sides come back from big deficits, but given all the other things you talked about, the drama and everything, it looks like maybe the dam had finally broke for that season. There's a lot of maybe a lot of pressure too, just that the team wasn't prepared to handle. So Caleb Williams gets in, we're down 28-7. He gets put in on a fourth and one play. Fourth and one, yeah. From about midfield, I think. Uh, no. No, yeah. It's a, a little lower than that. And around the 35, it looks like. Yeah. And we go for it on fourth and one. And y'all have them in the backfield. Yeah. I mean, there's a gap there, and the safety fills a gap. It should be a, a kind of a routine play. And somehow he sidesteps it, breaks the line, and begins one of the greatest – performances by an Oklahoma player in that game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the safety, Jaron Thompson, misses the tackle for Texas, and again, he just explodes and, and goes all the way. And and that happens, and Kevin, it went from there's no chance we win this game to I don't know if Texas is ready to deal with what's about to happen to them. Listen, the, we all knew, we'd heard how talented he was and how good he had looked during the spring and everything. But I'd watched the OU games. There was nothing that I had seen out of Caleb Williams yet 
to think that he had a performance like that in him that that game. So what's really interesting about Caleb Williams' performance, and and just to just to go through it really quickly, okay? So he he has the 66-yard run. Then with it, it's not until a minute left in the third quarter that he then has a 14-yard pass to Marvin Mims. Right? So he doesn't score another touchdown until a minute left in the third quarter. So he yeah. almost goes two quarters without another touchdown. You know, Oklahoma yeah. almost goes another touchdown. Then he has the 52-yard pass to Marvin Mims, which was just fantastic. And then everything else was on Kennedy Brooks. Yeah. So you're there. I'm, I'm there. I'm at the game. And you're caught up in what's happening. And it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I said this on the radio with Toby Rowland, Voice of the Sooners. Um, I got the opportunity to say this. Greatest sporting event I've ever attended, Oklahoma or anything else. It was electric. But when you go back and watch it, okay, as a dis, more as try to watch it as a dispassionate viewer, right? Like we've done for this podcast to kind of yeah. relive it. You're struck with the serendipity that occurred for Caleb Williams to put him in those positions. Yeah. Because some of those plays were just unbelievable. Yeah. The missed tackle on the fourth and one. The Marvin Mims catch. Are you kidding me? That catch that that dude makes is unfreaking believable. Oh, before, let me go back to the other Marvin Mims touchdown. The short one. Do you remember what happened on that play? No, please. He gets the snap. He drops the ball. The ball, the ball bounces right back into his hands. Yep. I mean, how often does that happen? You drop the ball, you, it's going to go anywhere. It just literally bounced like it was like a basketball right back into his hands. Now, I would give the kid credit because he still had the presence to keep his composure, keep rolling out and make a dark. Oh, it was throw. it was an incredibly athletic. Yeah, incredibly athletic play. But, it's like, you know, he got that bounce there, you know, and the Marvin Mims catch. I mean, that was it's a heave. You know, I'm not saying he just threw I mean, but he just throws it up. No, man. he just throws it up. Isn't the double coverage? Yes. Yeah. Somehow Marvin Mims gets a foot down and breaks the plane. Yeah. And there was no question that that was a touchdown. I mean, and so when you watch the, when you watch it back, you say to yourself, okay, first of all, there was actually a almost two quarter gap between scores. Then the last two scores are Kennedy Brooks. And really in that fourth quarter, Kennedy Brooks was a beast. Yeah. He, he was a monster. And, and it was almost, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll come back to this. Well, I just, I'm just saying, like, I've said it on this podcast before. When Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley decide to run the ball, good things happen. Yes. So in the midst of this comeback, we're running the ball with Kennedy Brooks. Well, it's kind of like we talked about a little bit ago in the 18 game. That last drive with, with uh, Trey Sermon, they got down the field by running the ball with Trey Sermon. Texas was sitting back yes. expecting the pass, and they ran, 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 and just set up a screen that – Sermon scored on to eventually tie the game. And that's what you saw here. They kept running with Kennedy Brooks. And that play that they that he designed, it was almost which you like never saw, which you never saw again for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, never saw which it before. You never since. saw it, it. It worked three times against Texas. It two was a touchdowns. reverse of the Sam Ellinger play. Two touchdowns and a first down play. And you never saw it again the rest of the year. Yeah. It was a weird play with uh, Kennedy Brooks lined up at basically a quarterback. Williams lined up next to him. He kind of faced the toss and then comes left on a counter with uh, Drake Stoops leading as a lead blocker. Oh, listen, it, it was those plays that made you adore Lincoln Riley as your coach. I was going to say, first of all, I thought it was a bold move going to Caleb Williams, period. Even, I mean, uh, we're down no, to 28. No, I mean, even that, no, we I mean what was it? The score was, yeah, 28-7. But even on the fourth and one play in your own territory, it, it was a bold move. I thought it was a bold move. Yeah, but keep I in mind, give, he doesn't, credit. But he doesn't go to he doesn't go to Caleb Williams until the second half. And second at that half. at the second half, it's 38-20. Yeah. So it's not a bold move. I still think it is. You know, I, you know, like we just hadn't seen anything out of the kid yet. That's a big environment to be dropped into when you're a true freshman quarterback. We just haven't seen a true freshman. You know, really playing that game besides Ellinger, who just was far and away Texas's best option. Remember Spencer Rattler going into the season, the guys, are, you know, the leading Heisman candidate. I thought it was a bold. Listen, team. I understand what you're saying, but what yeah. I'm saying is at 38-20, you've got to try something. I, and keep in mind, he had benched Spencer Rattler the year before. He he benched yeah. he benched so benching Spencer Rattler in the Red River rivalry was not a uh, unique occurrence, right? It wasn't a you one off. He did it. If if Spencer Rattler plays the entire game, how do you think it turns out? Oh, we lose. It's yeah. the momentum. Yeah, it's it's all Caleb Williams provided a spark, an emotional spark, a tactical spark with the quarterback run game. And he, in that game, it was dynamic. He was absolute. But, again, that was in the moment, in the game. But when you go back and you look at it, you say, mm, yeah, this was incredibly lucky. Now, hey, listen, some athletes are incredibly lucky, and they bring that luck to the field. I mean, you see it later in the Kansas game with the takeaway on a fourth down play. I mean, yeah. he does that. Yeah. So I'm not knocking Caleb Williams. I'm saying though that that you when you look at it, it wasn't it, he he didn't in a um, Dan Marino, Peyton Manning kind of precision take the defense apart type of yeah. quarterback play, right? Uh-huh. It was these amazing explosive. You can't believe what you just saw, kind of play, right? Fourth uh-huh. and one, drop the ball and throw it to Mims. Uh, Mims makes a catch out of the blue. It it, it it was just a once in a lifetime kind of confluence of events that leads to the greatest comeback, I think, and win for us in that in that game. Can we talk about the play calling in that game? Uh, the play design from from the two head coaches slash offensive coordinators. I thought Sarkeesian's game plan, at least, I mean, obviously, it fell apart in the second half. But in that first quarter, I mean, this is as good as I've seen Texas play 
offensively since Vince Young was a quarterback? Um, I thought Casey Thompson was the best quarterback on the field, especially in the first half. Yeah. Um, where the play calling let you down is you've got Bijan Robinson on the backfield with a 38-20 lead. He should have got the ball 40 times in the second half. I completely agree. And you Nobody know, they have other him. backs too. That's the thing. They have other backs that can spell him. So it's not like you worry about him getting tired because you have other guys you can give up. And don't get me wrong. And don't get me wrong. Casey Thompson, after even going down, brings you back. Yeah. And ties the game. I mean, it was mm-hmm. he, he was a gamer. Don't this is not a knock on Thompson, but on as far as play calling goes, um A for Lincoln Riley, he went to the running game in the second half, stayed with it, remained committed to it. And then you get those bursts of of amazing from Caleb Williams, whereas I think if you would have stayed with the running game, you would have made it a lot harder for us to come back, especially yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no more, none of those three and outs. And, you know, I thought the OU defense finally woke up. I don't know what was happening with them in the first half. This defensive line with Benito and um, Isaiah Thomas and Perrion Winfrey, you know, they just really didn't do anything in the first half. You finally got to see the talent. And that's why I thought OU would win the game going into it was because I didn't think Texas would be able to block those guys. Well, did a pretty good job in the first half, but in the second half, those guys really, really got going, especially Nick Benito. He, I thought he was a special player. Grinch played him more in the second half. Yeah. That was always his deal. He was always rotated defensive players, but in the second half, he went with the same rotation. He yeah. stuck with his guys, and they played better. Perrion Winfrey was a beast. Yeah. Um, our linebackers played a lot better. I I don't know. It was uh, it, it was just a fascinating game. It was, like I said, emotionally amazing. Um, for you guys, it gutted you for the rest of the season. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You know, and I thought they actually came back the next week. You know, it, it, it damaged them. They came back, but it started a trend of them losing, blowing second-half leads. They came out the next week against Oklahoma State. They were, what was it, 21-7? Yep. And they just and in full control, they're about to go up 28-7. Casey Thompson throws a pick six and it totally flips the game. Then they fall apart. Same thing against Baylor. They're up now on you, the road against Baylor. Same deal, fell apart in the second half. So it's always a fine line between going five and seven and potentially going, you know, eight and four, nine and three. You think you think Thompson got hurt though, right? In the O in the O He game? did actually, yeah. He hit his hand, his thumb on Nick Benito's helmet making a pass and literally you can see his season pretty much fell apart at that moment. He was such a gamer that he stuck with him over Hudson Card, who is a talented guy, but just doesn't appear to be ready for the spotlight yet. I think, I think that um, Casey Thompson is going to be pretty good at Nebraska. I think he is too. I am worried about that. We've already seen him once and I'm worried about him at Nebraska. Um, I don't know that um, I don't know that the Nebraska coaches as good a coordinator as Sarkeesian in terms of play calls and stuff. Um, he's clearly struggled, but I think he's going to be. I think it's a it's an upgrade from um, Adrian Mar- was it Adrian Martinez is that who Adrian they- Martinez correct? Who's now at K State actually? 
Does Nebraska always have dudes that have Hispanic class names but don't really look Hispanic? Adrian Martinez looks Hispanic. You don't think so? Does he look Hispanic? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, dude, I'm from San Antonio. I don't know too many Hispanics that were six foot four and whatever tall he was. I mean, he was a tall dude, wasn't he? He was. He's a great athlete, too. Um, you know, you know why he went to Martinez. Martinez. You know why he went to K State? Why? Girlfriend plays soccer there. Yes. Following the ladies. I love it. Didn't Billy Bowman do that too? Is that why one of the reasons he flipped from Oh yeah, then his girlfriend plays softball, right? Jada Coleman. There you go. Listen, dude. Jada Coleman's she's a beast, dude. Yeah. Um and then we could spend a whole episode on what happened with Caleb Williams and the rest of the season. And I think we do that. I think we spend some time on the Caleb Williams story because we haven't explored that completely in this podcast so i'm gonna leave that okay let, let, let me ask you sure yeah. though before we, before we get out i got a couple more questions on this game okay okay so you guys go you take the lead right you take the lead um on the kennedy brooks touchdown seven minutes and 10 seconds left okay the yes. whole game is flipped you have all the momentum casey thompson then throws a touchdown pass to xavier worthy with a minute and 23 seconds a great throw and a great catch Great route, okay. great play, great play, great play design, great play call. Absolutely. So, what's OU fan thinking then? It's only a minute twenty-three. There was no time to win the game, or do you think we go to overtime? Would we think, think we're going to get a field goal. Okay, we I, think that's what I thought. We think we're, and and it was hot. It was uh, it was a hot. There, you know, a lot of these games are hot. Um, it was hot. Most points scored in regulation to this point. Um, we think that we're going to just be able to at least run the ball well enough to get a, to get a uh, field goal. Burkich at this point in the season is a money kicker. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I just remember sitting there going with all the crap that had happened in that game, there was really no way we were going to lose. And then to see that play run again with three seconds to go in the game. I mean, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of, a lot of Texas fans are upset with the defensive coaches, and I, and I get it. But if you go back and you look at those, you know, they're in position to make plays. You know, I think coaches, you put players in position to make plays. The Marvin Mims touchdown, the long one. There's a guy there in coverage, right? I mean, well, I know Marvin well, Mims kind of did a little nice little Michael Irvin kind of, not a, not a push off, but just a nice way of sticking his elbow out to get a little separation and then makes a great catch. But, you know, you have to make a play if you're a DB there. Same I, thing with the first touchdown, the one where the ball, when he dropped the ball, there's a guy there in coverage, the long touchdown, there's a safety there. You had guys not making plays. And on the last touchdown run with no time left or with one second left, they had to go back and you look at it. When Kennedy Brooks gets the ball, Texas has three guys there and just no one makes the play. And he, he scores a touchdown, you lose the game. So. When he when he's you see him running through, you know he's gone. What's it like for you and the rest of the OU fans there in the cop bowl? Um complete euphoria. Yeah. Uh I hugged so many grown men in the stands and hugged quite a few co eds, which was awesome. Okay. I am getting to the age when you can get a hug from a twenty one year old girl dressed for an OU Texas game, it is a big deal. Okay. Now, the wife was there. She was hugging people, too. This was an equal hugging situation. I'm Everybody just saying, I remember the hugs. 
they were long and they were awesome. I just remember when, you know, once he broke the line, I knew he was gone. gone. And I'm just sitting there with no look on my face. Listen, Kennedy Brooks uh, is an underrated court, under, underrated running back at OU, largely because I don't think Lincoln Riley ever trusted him enough to use him as much as he should have. I think there's, I, I think there's opportunities. What is with that? He I mean, he's a walking him. first down every play. He's averaging eight, nine yards yeah. a carry for his career. Yeah, and we completely go away from him against Oklahoma State. We go from away from him against Baylor. Like, just run the ball. But we, yeah. you know that. That's where we're at. Okay. Okay. Real quick. Um, who is the MVP of the game? It's Caleb Williams. Yeah. It's Caleb Williams. It, um, the emotional charge he put into that team, into that game, is it, – it, it sucks that, he's, that he left to go to USC. It sucks that, in a way, we're all rooting against him now. Because for that afternoon in October, it was the greatest feeling ever for an Oklahoma fan. It just was. And I don't want to take that away from that kid. I yeah. don't want to take it away that he gave us that. Because yeah. it was it was awesome. a moment. It's a moment. Now I do I do think he was the MVP, but I, I thought Xavier Worthy was the best player on the field that day. Well him or Kennedy Brooks. Yeah. Ten ten catches, two hundred and sixty eight yards receiving. Yeah. And two touchdowns. And he's a true freshman. No that's more to come. From, from Xavier Worthy. We, but can, you but guys listen, haven't listen, seen the last of him. Listen to Kennedy Brooks' stat line. 25 rushing attempts, 217 yards, 8.7 yard average, and two touchdowns. Yeah. It was, it was special. He was, he was great. So I will, I, will, I will give you Worthy because I think that's a tremendous. But Kennedy Brooks wasn't no slouch. No, far from it. Far Worthy. from it. And Worthy, I am scared to death of having to play Worthy for the next two years because he'll go pro in two years, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. Hopefully he gets a, a twisted ankle in the first week of October. <laughs> Nothing that hurts him. You know, just have no, one game. Yeah, no, no long term. Just want him a little – Just have one game. Slow him down a little bit. Uh, Listen, I know this episode went long. I knew it was going to go long because these two games deserved this time. So if you stayed with us, I appreciate it. Like the episode, share the episode. Um, thank you for listening. Kevin, where can they listen? Everywhere. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere. Please, if you have any uh, comments, let us know what are your favorite games of the rivalry. Did we miss any plays, any big moments in this? What did you think about the 2018 game? What did you think about the 21 game? Um, any specific games you want us to talk about next time? So we appreciate the love. If you did not like my take on Caleb Williams, go to my MySpace page and leave a comment. I check it often, and I will be happy to return any comments that you might have. Kevin, this was awesome. Yes, Uh, thank you. I can't wait for episode six. Um, But this was the best of the year so far. This is the best episode of our podcast, and I'm fired up. Stick with us. Stick with us. We appreciate the love. All right, buddy. All right, see see you, man. man.